The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Deck your home with blinds.com DIY or let us install Free design consultation Plus free samples and free shipping Ho, ho, ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. This is the Custard TV podcast. Um, I am Luke. I run the website with a iron fist, thecustardtv.com. I'm joined by two people who I can see, and those same two people can't see me. Matt in the north, just solely because we were getting complaints from listeners, we had to bring on a random Scott, and this week it's Dawn Glenn. Hello, Dawn. Hello. Thank you. I'm delighted to be random. I had an anecdotal anecdote to share, and yesterday it was it was nice and warm, warmer than we thought it was going to be. So we had all the doors open in the house, but a bird flew in to the house, which I've never known oh. happen in all my years. Not an owl. No, oh no, not an owl. A bird flew in into the living room. It went into a. We got a box under the radiator to sort of hide all the pipes, and it went into there and had no escape. Very tense times. So tense, fish and chips got cold. That's how serious it was. So we've now we've now we've now retrieved the bird because it managed to squeeze its way out. But who do you call when a wild animal gets into your house? There's nothing you can do. You have to just deal with it yourself. In my case, I had the staff deal with it. But I mean, there's no your parents. You mean your parents? There's nobody, the star. There's nobody can really ring though, is there? Like you couldn't ring the ambulance or the fire brigade if a, if a bird got in or RSPB. That's what I was going to say. The RSPB, I think, is who you might phone. Yeah. Do they work or on the... Saturdays? I think they're twenty-four-seven situation. I think. Do you know what? You I should have tweet done. them though, Lee. Oh yeah, that's what tweet. I was going to say. I should have gone on Twitter straight away. That's what I should have done. <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Anyway, we're here this week. We've got three shows to talk about rather than the normal four. And before we start, I just want to say, Matt, Occasionally, there's no harm in going, do you know what, Luke? It's lovely weather out. 
it's not going to be a nice week. Let's have the week off. There's nothing worthy of discussing. Well, you really one. wanted to talk about the staircase, so I think this is your fault. Yeah. But, you know, this is just what your opinions are of these shows. You do not know how me and Dawn feel. Dawn told me. <laughs> Dawn sent me a, a, a nasty direct message with as many swears in as I've ever seen. <laughs> I thought I was going to be That's blocked anybody, off Twitter. Anybody who knows me knows that is very likely. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to say, I was condemning you. No, no, no. You're saying, uh, anyway, what we do at the start of the podcast, in the time I've been gone, is we do all the plugs at the start, uh, because we forget by the end, because I'm so full of vitriol that all I can do is spit feathers. So, the website this podcast is that Is on, that because of the bird? gone <laughs> whenever you're ready the custardtv.com is where the podcast lives also find us on spotify and stitcher and apple podcast how do you listen dawn as a normal i was listening on spotify but this very first week i listened on my i won't say her name uh echo dot and i actually <laughs> oh, <went, laughs> alexa <laughs> yeah it's yeah, yeah. okay i've got you on uh, i mean if they want to sponsor us dawn we're not gonna not say the name <laughs> no i'll like... set mine off that's only why oh, i'm not yeah. saying it i'll say it. she who must not be named as my mum yeah. calls it said please play the custard tv podcast and there you were i know so, it's great it's that easy to do you have your own podcast where is yours and can yours be heard via the alexa device you know, I've never tried it. I should, I should try it. We are on Spotify. We are the shipyard. Don't do it because you'll stop listening to mine through that way. I don't. <laughs> I can listen to more than one. I love how you're calling it your podcast, and you're barely ever here. It's if just... you had to do the edit, you'd call it your the, podcast. The custard TV podcast. <laughs> Our podcast. Uh, I am the Shipyard UST with my co-presenter Lucy. We talk about all things will they, won't they, slow burn relationships, shipping stuff, all the favorite stuff one on telly at the moment. Favorite current one? I'm actually watching Our Flag Means Death. Possibly Ooh. not. On you shouldn't be watching right that. You shouldn't be watching Nobody that. You're not legally you. watching that. <laughs> and uh, I am definitely shipping Reese Darby and. Or PT, I can never pronounce it. Taika Waititi. Yes, the director. Oh, of course, Erin and James in Derry Girl. Love that. Love they got to have a kiss so this week. Uh, you were up to E in your podcast, and Matt said for yes. you to do Ed, which is great, but I yes. was quite annoyed you didn't do ER because I. We were going to do ER, uh, but we couldn't decide which one because it was just one episode we were watching. Uh, it was very okay. difficult to decide which one because. Uh, I shipped Mark and Susan, and of course there was uh, Lucy and... Oh, I'm not, over, I'm not over that. Stop it. Yeah, I'm no, in. I'll never be over Surely that. Surely, though, it's Carter and Benton is the biggest ship on that show. You know, if that was on now, it absolutely would be. It shows you how different, what, 20 years is. It would be a huge ship if that I don't want to see those Garvin. drawings on Twitter, though, really, and that's what it would be. A ton of drawings of Carter and Benton. <laughs> Fanfic. Fanfic. Various positions doing medical work. The fact yeah. he went all the way on the plane with him when he was checking him into rehab. Come on, that would be like a... yeah. Totally. He got on the um... plane. Yeah. <laughs> on the show this week, we're going to be talking about HBO Max's take on the staircase, which is on Sky Atlantic. Three episodes are there now for you to watch via now 
also the Pentaverant, which is the return of Mike Myers, which you can find on Netflix. And Clark, one of the Skarsgårds, is getting work. I Bill, swear there's... Bill. What's he known for, apart from being a Skarsgård? What is his... American it. Horror Stories, and he was the clown in It, wasn't he? Ah! The all, thing, all things that you like, Luke. Yes, <laughs> clowns and stories. Uh, I, I have to say, this might be my first encounter with this particular Skarsgård, but they pop up everywhere. How many are there? There's a lot of Osmonds. Oh, okay. Three. Why does it feel like there's nine? It just feels like there's a lot of Skarsgårds about. Because they um, work quite heavily in TV and film. I love it when you solve my mysteries. <laughs> Well done. Talking telly on the Custard TV podcast. Doesn't that sound exciting to you? Let's do it! Ready? Here we go. So we'll start with The Staircase, which is a drama adaptation of the documentary that you may have seen on Netflix. Dawn, have you seen the documentary? I have not. I had never heard of any part of the story or anything until this week. This is the story of... Michael Peterson, who is having drinks with his wife, she goes up to bed and he discovers her apparently not lifeless at the bottom of the stairs. When he phones uh, the police, he tells them that she's still breathing. By the time any paramedics get there, she has died from severe injuries, a lot of blood. They do autopsy and they discover that these injuries aren't really contingent with falling down the stairs. There's not really any blunt force trauma that you'd expect. There's a lot of cuts and bruises and all sorts of awful things. They can't really connect it with a fall down the stairs. The real-life Michael Peterson and Kathleen Peterson are played by Colin Firth and Tony Collette, two brilliant actors. And this sort of plays in three different timelines. So it begins with a bedraggled and older Michael in 2017 and then it flashes between his life with Kathleen prior to the accident and the investigation. We also meet their strange children, strange in the fact that they've got a weird dynamic. So Michael's got two sons from a previous relationship. Kathleen has a daughter and between the pair, they have two adoptive children who came from Germany when they lived in Germany um, adopted these two children after their parents d- mysteriously died. So it's a very strange blended family. From the outside, they're your typical well-to-do American family. He is a novelist and is running for mayor. But he's also got this history of lying. He tells people he won a Purple Heart in Vietnam. There's no sign of it. So what's interesting about this adaptation and what I really wasn't expecting until the trailer dropped it references the fact that the documentary is made and it brings in the French documentarians to capture scenes from the documentary that people may recognise and it also explains how um, they came to the decision to make the documentary and explores deeper who this family were, their strange dynamics. I was sceptical that this should even exist. I think if you haven't seen the documentary, I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And I recommend it to everyone I know that's got Netflix because I just think everyone should see it. But I was surprisingly drawn in to this. 
I think Colin Firth and Tony Collette are fantastic. It's able to do things that the documentary couldn't do, like give you access to the kids and what they were thinking and how they divide when Kathleen's daughter discovers that maybe there might be more to the story and she takes herself away from the family she's known growing up. There's some really fascinating things going on. And you know I'm not a fan of the dual or trio timeline, but I think for the most part it worked. Yeah, I agree. I, when I when I realised that there was, you know, it was splitting the timeline, I thought, oh, I'm going to get lost with this, especially because I didn't know anything about the story. But I didn't at all. I actually I found it very easy to follow. Although I I did think they left a lot unsaid in these early episodes that they don't like you say they don't yeah. explain the yeah. relationship with all the children. You have to sort of glean that, which is you know, with good nature, yeah. think at least. The words that I wrote down when I was watching it, and I only wrote one one note because I was so engrossed in it, was unsettling. I, I felt very uneasy, and I th- thought that's brilliant because obviously mm. that's the whole thing is that this family who were seemingly happy and, and perfect, and now it's all blown to pieces, and they're all left in, with doubts and, and mm. what is real and how much do they know about their father. Um, Colin Firth brilliant in it he's so and he sounds so much like the real michael Pe- it's remarkable well, i know you've not seen oh, wow. it but it's, it's yeah, real uh-huh. well done i thought tony collette was really good as well obviously it's difficult because everything of from hers is in the past but it's you know it carried the weight that it needs to to take you through to to feel like she's a presence even after she's died if you know what mm. i mean you talk about unsettling. There's that sequence in the first episode where they're toasting. Is it a, a, her daughter that's going off to college? No, is it Martha or Margaret? Oh, it's it's one Martha. Of yeah, it's Martha, yeah. the youngest one. And, and they sort of go around and toast each other. And that was incredibly unsettling before it even started. This sort of, <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of you as my sister. And, you know, it, even that was unsettling. Very Stepford Wives-esque. I found it really yeah. interesting. I watched the first episode. I wasn't taken with it. I'm in a bit of an odd position here, having watched only the first episode of the documentary because we reviewed yeah. it, didn't we? Yeah. Was it 2018, 2017? 17. Doc- 17. 2017. So I sort of remembered details from it. As Dawn said, they didn't do a very good job of explaining the sort of all the relationships with the various children. No. It helps if you have seen the documentary because you've got that knowledge mm. of who everyone is yeah. and so you know you know the, the the beats of it the first episode I did struggle with I think it sort of lacked a bit of levity for me and I know it's hard to have that levity in certainly the setting of the accident and all of that but even yeah. in the flashback scenes where we see Tony Collette and Colin Firth together it's all very sort of straight-laced. It's all, again, it's my yeah. sort of issue with the old middle-class problems yeah. as well, yeah. you know. Very yeah. well-to-do family. And I had you, like, this little nut in my ear going, watch the next episode, watch the next episode. I was going to tell you, going but going I didn't in. want to tell you because I thought, <laughs> I don't, because normally, because I kept thinking, we said this about something else, and you said, yeah, but I didn't get anything extra from the second it would one. Be, so it would have been the, it would have been the dropout. Yeah, the jackets on dropout. I think you said it on both. One of the issues as well is that you get bombarded with so many characters here, and mm-hmm. you're you're trying to work out who everyone is connected to. Yeah. You know, you you've got her two sisters, you've got like the next door neighbours, you've got all the lawyers coming in, you've got yeah. the DA. Is it Juliette Binoche as the yeah, partner in in 2017? There's so much going on, and 
they add even more characters in the second episode because, as you say, you've got the documentary crew on top of everything else as well. I think going on to episode two really helped because you start the investigation then. You've got that. Did they have that in the documentary where they have all these experts come into the house yeah. Yeah. and try to explain why she had these injuries if yeah. she'd fallen down the stairs? Could he have heard her from the garden? I sort of remember all of that. Yeah. The scene as well, it had a little bit more sort of levity in there. It had that scene where the friend, is it a friend or an uncle, is explaining Michael's interests in His, men. Their uncle. Their uncle. Their Bill. uncle. Yeah. That scene, I thought, was, was the first thing I thought, well, this is actually a little, you know, there's a bit of humour being injected in here. There's a lot of people I like in this. Michael Stuhlberg, I think, is a fantastic actor. He plays the attorney. I'd love to see more from Parker Posey because she's fantastic. She's playing... Is it the assistant DA she's playing? Fred, the assistant DA, yeah. Assistant DA, yeah. Tony Collette, I mean, the only issue there is she can't be in as much of the show as possibly I would like, but you get more of those flashbacks in the second episode. You see how much she's struggling. It allows Tony Collette to do more than she did in that first episode. So certainly I'm glad that I... I'm glad you stuck did. with it, got a bit of a different opinion of it because I persevered with it. After episode one, I was sort of just very stony faced. You know, I didn't hate it, but I, you know, I didn't really have any opinion on it. So I think that's why I decided to watch another one because it left me cold a little bit, if that makes sense. But certainly if I just watched the one episode, I would have said to you, not going to carry on with it. Just didn't get much out of it, but I'm glad I did because, and I think it was a comment you made that the the documentary crew do come into it and become characters in their own right, which is an interesting spin on this. I think it's hard for them... Do you think it needed it to do it? What I was going to say is it is trying to serve two masters in that they're having to try and explain the stories from scratch, where at the same time putting in little things for the people who've watched the documentary and, you know, getting these actors to be as realistic as they would imagine them to be. Dawn, what did you think of this, having not seen it? It sucked you in enough without all the prior knowledge. It did, but I I needed to... I did look it up on Wiki, and I did need that to explain fully everyone's relationship. So I think if you haven't seen the documentaries, you are on the back foot. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho ho ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. In, in understanding exactly what's going on. And then maybe that's what they think will keep you watching. One thing I wanted to ask is, is there anyone here we particularly sympathise with? Is it the... Is it the children 
Because the children almost presented as just sort of one block, aren't they, rather than uh, in, individual. Has the second episode got them waking up Christmas morning? With him, or is that the third one? I've seen the third one. Two, isn't it, Christmas? Two, I've where seen they, Christmas. They, they wake up and they bought one of the daughters the wrong thing. And, the wrong watch. Uh, the yeah, wrong that's watch. episode two. I actually did sympathise with the kids in a little bit mm. because Kathleen's daughter is really conflicted because it's actually her mum. She actually says to one of the boys, why are you calling her mum? You never did that when she was alive. So there's real friction there. And I think mm. they are the innocents in it all. You know, we're not going to get to the end of this and discover who did it. It's not that kind of a story. But they are the innocents who were caught up in not only the tragedy of a, a mother figure, but also being on this documentary. You know, Sophie Turner's character says to him, if you do this, do we have to be part of it? No, you just go on and do your lives. And uh, they are drawn into it and made public figures that they didn't want to be. I found them sympathetic. I think the reason that you find Tony Collette and Colin First relationship really stilted is because I think that's what their relationship was. You know, he was secretly into men. She was struggling at work trying to keep all these people happy that she was having to let go. I think it was all a facade the whole time, and that's why they, they come across that way. I think I'm just fascinated by this story. I watch a lot of true crime. It's just really fascinating because it's these weird family dynamics on top of this guy who you watch throughout the show and throughout the documentary, and you think, he doesn't seem capable of this, but there are so many unanswered questions, and I do find this whole case fascinating. I don't know, though, if, if adding the documentary crew was just a little bit too clunky for me, but maybe mm, I'll okay. have a different... I might have a different view of that the more I watch, but this is going on the ever-long weekly watches for me. It's on Thursdays on Sky Atlantic, I believe. What about mm. you, Dawn? Is this something you'll continue with, or you feel like you just read the Wikipedia and know all you need to know? <laughs> I, it actually has made me want to watch the documentary more than Ooh. this. Okay, good. So, do. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's probably what I would do is watch the documentary rather than yeah. the rest of, of the There's no drama. ships in it because they always end up at the bottom no. of the stairs. But, you know, <laughs> there are important relationships, but they always end at the bottom of the staircase, as long as you're all right with that. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm going into it with my eyes open. Next, though, we have one of the Skarsgårds in Clark on Netflix. So this is the story of Clark Olufsen. Um, He was a career criminal. He is most known, even though I'd never heard of him, um, for the (laughs) the term (laughs) Stockholm Syndrome, which is where he took hostages during a bank robbery, and they became charmed with him and, and sort of fell for him. So this first episode is, is like his backstory from his birth into the 1960s, shows his charisma, his charm, why people wanted to follow him. We see his birth in a very interesting scene, which I'm sure we discuss in a minute. Uh, we see him witnessing domestic violence between his parents, quickly falling into a life of crime. We see him in juvenile detention, breaking out with three of his fellow inmates, going to the beach and instantly drawn to um, a young lady who's described as his first love, Madhu, her mother, Liz, who has a strange attraction to. And his notoriety grows when after a petty burglary, he's implicated in the murder of a police officer, forced to go on the run. 
He is eventually caught, but the notoriety he gets from being like a cop killer seems to spur him on to want to become even more notorious. And that's sort of where the, the first episode ends. Now, I know exactly how Luke feels about this. Can we go to Dawn first and then and then um, Luke? This first scene that you spoke about with the, his birth, when the camera zoomed up her vagina... <laughs> I never thought you would be saying that. Can we stop there? We've done this podcast for nearly 12 years. We've never used... We've seen every show on in the planet. We've never used... I couldn't think of a more delicate phrase to say it. But uh, as soon as that happened, I knew I was not going to enjoy this. It's so weird. It's, I have to confess, I accidentally watched the first sort of 15 minutes with uh, the dubbing instead of subtitles. And it, it felt like, <laughs> I have to say, uh, the kind of film used to be on uh, Channel 5 late on a Friday night uh, <laughs> from Europe. Oh, God. If you know what I mean. I didn't like him one bit. I don't understand why he was so charismatic. And obviously the, the point of it is, we don't know what's truth and what's lies because it's based on his own memoirs. So we don't know how much is exaggerated and he's bigging himself up. Oh, I just didn't like him. I didn't want to spend any time with him. <laughs> he was just, you know, it's all about him sleeping with loads of women and, uh, you know, he's so, oh, no one can resist him. Even like the, the, the older lady in the bakery can't resist him and has sex with him when he's 12 or something. You know, oh, no, I just did not enjoy it <laughs> at all. <laughs> Weird is the only way you can see it. It's very off kilter. It's and... anarchic, isn't it? Anarchically yes. made. And and it's there's also bits like when he, he crashes the car and and you know you you by because he runs into a moose and the moose says something. I won't. And he dies for like twenty minutes or something or even longer mm. and then wakes up. That was my no... favourite bit when I thought he died. <laughs> Thing is, Madonna has her own biopic coming out which she has directed and partly written. And this is what I imagine Madonna's <laughs> biopic to be like. Every, everything's wonderful, Madonna's amazing. Do you, and Do you know the Madonna connection to this? No, I don't. The director of this is a, a gentleman by the name of Jonas Ackerland, who started his career in music videos, because there was uh, a lot of sort of music videos, sort of editing, cinematography yeah. in this. Yeah. And he won, I think it was five MTV video awards and a Grammy for the Ray of Light video. When she and feels also... like she's just got home. Yeah, and, and several other Madonna videos as well and several other... You could feel that this was someone who directed music videos, yeah. just the, the the whole sort of style of it, as Dawn mentioned. Luke, I thought you were going to say exactly the same as Dawn about the baby scene. I thought this would lose you straight away. Oh, God, it made me think, look who's talking completely differently. <laughs> I empathise and echo with everything Dawn says. You know, sometimes these people can be charismatic and you get swept away by them yourself and you think, oh, he's this charismatic person and you, you want to see him succeed because he's a cheeky chappy. I just found him unbearable and it's got so many other things I don't like. It's got sweepy camera shots and changing of colours and it's got narration as well. Big, he bigs himself up in narration as well. I found the whole thing completely insufferable. 
Because what I don't like when I'm watching TV is to be too aware that I'm watching TV. I want to be lost and enveloped and escape. And this just kept reminding me you're watching something that's been produced. You're watching something that somebody's worked hard on and done crazy editing in. I couldn't relax for a second. I found it insufferable and I won't remember it except for Dawn's now said that phrase that's going to be forever burned into my brain. So that will be there. But apart from that, I just found it all. I just really couldn't relax. I think why you liked it, Matt, which I'm guessing you did, it was quite <laughs> cinematic, quite filmic, and I'm wondering whether that's what drew Don't you. put words into my mouth, Luke Knowles. Don't so... double name me, Matt Donnelly. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking is because of how cinematic it was. But there's, there's a difference in my mind between cinematic TV, which looks big and expansive and takes you in onto a, into a journey and into a world, and this, which just felt like you were watching a big screen thing that I had no emotional or physical connection to at all. I had fun with it, I have to say. You know, I get what you're saying about him, but I think I was swept up in the story enough to enjoy it. As you say, yes, there is those cinematic elements to it. I think it's a specific thing possibly to European cinema. I don't think you will have seen this, Luke, but a film called Run, Lola, Run. It reminded me a lot of... There's some of like Pedro Almodovar in there as well, where they do those things where the characters will stop and talk to you or go back to their childhood or have these moments that are like of the uncanny. And I thought it was really funny. I laughed out loud at about five different times. I thought the scene where he has sex with the girl and it's her first time and and he has to explain to her, yes, it does last that long. He goes into the next room with with her mum and has a completely different experience. I think this made me laugh more than a few of the recent comedies that we've seen. Maybe it was all a bit too busy in terms of the editing, the cinematography, but I thought that kept it moving. I thought the pace was good. Bill Sarsgaard, I thought, did have that charisma, even though the character is despicable. I still I still liked him. I liked the story. And, and I probably will be watching more of this. And I, I did have oh. fun with it. Oh, now Dawn, Dawn. <laughs> Dawn, are you there? Right, so we, yeah, we always do this thing. Dawn, Dawn, ignore him. Dawn. <laughs> we do this thing normally. We've been doing this podcast for about 12 years or something ridiculous because none of us have a life. But, it's I mean, 11, but go on. But it feels like 12. It feels like But 40. we usually do this thing where we, we find a show on the podcast, we watch it, we enjoy it, and we sort of... We don't touch on it again, but we'll privately say, oh, I really enjoyed this episode, such and such. Matt's decided this year that he's not going to tell me what he's watching because actually he's got a busy life, working very hard, and he's not going to tell me. But So he's got this massive list. So there's shows that we love that I don't know if he's carried on watching for the most part. And this, this... He says he's going to carry on watching. The door. If I've got it, it'll be. It's going to be low down on that list. <laughs> it's down sort of somewhere with like winning time and things like that. Where oh it'll be. my god! It's on the if lower I've tier. Got... It's on the lower, lower tier. tier. That's all right. Okay. Of all the shows I've reviewed for the, the this podcast, I think this is the only one I've only watched one episode of. <laughs> no, no, no. You watched. No. The... Dawn, you watched The Holiday with us. Oh, that's true. I forgot. <laughs> that no, was worse. I watched another episode of that. I did watch another you episode You cannot of that. say that this is worse than The Holiday. That was horrendous. It was That was the worst thing I've watched this year, The Holiday. But with Clark, I think for me a lot of the problem is it's so overly sexual. And I, yeah. I'm not a prude in any way. 
you know, I enjoy, I enjoy um, and it. And it's I done through you. quite, I, I would say as well, it's done through quite a masculine gaze. So yes, I think yes, possibly yes. it is very, you know, like the female characters are very, you know, they're not well drawn. I mean, I didn't really like him, but I liked the story and I liked the pace and I liked the way it was told. But apart from him, there are no real other characters. Sure, especially true. like the female characters who are very thinly drawn. And the you only never other get a break is... from him because he's narrating it as well oh. and telling you how wonderful he is. So you never get this break from this deluded... I'll, t- I'll tell you what made me think I am enjoying this is is I went, well, this is like, what is it, about 50 minutes. I'll sort of stop it halfway, get a drink or something like that. But it kept me going to the point where I watched it in one go where I can't say that with the staircase. I had to pause the staircase at one point and say I'll come back to this so I did yeah, this I, I, in three bits because yeah. I was just so annoyed it's good when we don't have the same opinion about things like that no I agree we... I just don't want you to like this I mean <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're not on the podcast as much anymore no, I mean there are so many good shows on at the moment and I know this is a podcast where we showcase what's new every week but Barry's brilliant Shining Girls on Apple TV just delivered one of the most interesting, innovative and exciting episodes in its fourth episode this Friday. Sex Lives of College Girls is still on ITV2 and really good. Better Call Saul on Netflix is just fantastic every episode. So there's so much great TV on. But we're now going to talk about the Pentaverant. That it's Mike Myers' return to Netflix. Try as you might, Matt. Return to, to Netflix? Has oh, return to TV. Else? Return to anything. Return to anything. <laughs> Since the love guru. He's not done anything since the love guru. So, yeah, so as, as Luke says, this is Mike Myers' new uh, comedy. I suppose the, the big thing here is this is him playing several different characters the first time since, I think, the Austin Powers films. And actually, this fits into one of his other films. Is it called So I Married an Axe Murderer? Yes. There's a conspiracy theorist in that film where the Pentaverate is... A conspiracy so this is almost like a spin-off of that in a way which is very very tenuous the first part centers around a character called uh, dr hobart clark he's played by keegan michael key he is helicoptered into this mysterious building he finds that his death has been faked he has broken his neck while doing the new viral challenge where you have to kiss your own anus he finds he's been recruited by the Pentaverate. It's a secret society who are there. Their big thing is that they're benevolent. Alice Cooper's tour manager is there. There's a Russian character. Looks like they've carbon copied the Kyiva Novak character from What We Do in the Shadows. There's a, a Rupert Murdoch-esque character. And then there's a, a British Lord Lordington. All of these characters are played by Mike Myers. Hobart finds out that he has been drafted in to replace the late member of the of the society who invented their inbuilt computer system. They're trying to solve the problems around global warming, and, that, and that's what Hobart's been doing as well. So he has to make the decision whether he wants to join or not. We also meet a veteran Canadian news anchor, uh, Ken Scarborough, who is also played by Myers. Uh, he discovers that he's going to be put out to pasture because he can't bring in the hard-hitting stories anymore. He then is accompanied by a plucky newsroom employee, Riley, played by Lydia Wright. I got her name Lydia right there, West. didn't I? Lydia West. No, West. Lydia West. West. I knew I got it wrong. <laughs> it's weird uh, that Ken... you said right and you were completely wrong. Yeah. 
Um, so Ken sets out to find uh, the scoop that will save his job, that being finally uncovering the pentaverate. Luke Knowles, let's come to you, because you said you <laughs> threw up in your mouth a little bit. I threw up in my mouth because Dawn watched, well, you both watched more than one episode, and that makes me sad. I couldn't work out who this was for. And halfway through the first episode, the only episode I watched, because I don't hate myself, I sort of said, maybe this is for teenagers. Maybe if I was a teenager, this is what I would like to be watching. Maybe I would enjoy it more. You no. as a teenager was watching like Jimmy McGovern dramas. Yeah, well, uh, yes. You've really aged into yourself now, yeah. I think. But maybe, maybe I would have. But then I was thinking... Not really, because it's not really for kids or young teenagers, because there's some humour in there which is really not appropriate for young people. And basically, of all the reviews I read subsequently, and I agree with this, it's just one big... Deck your home with blinds.com DIY or let us install Free design consultation Plus free samples and free shipping Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Fart joke after another, and it's really immature and silly. Everybody in it should suck their agent, and I include Lydia West and Sam Spiru, who I've not seen in ages. She popped up as the fellow news anchor. Everybody in it is terrible. It is the worst thing I have seen for this podcast. I don't remember when. You know, we can disagree about Clark. I can see that that had some merit. This has zero merit. Mike Myers is doing the same thing here that he's been doing for donkey's years. Whatever money Netflix gave him for this, they should be, you know, transferring to some fund in the Ukraine to help people out. And You know, it was just, I thought it was an abomination. I thought it was a complete embarrassment. On a time where Netflix is saying that it's losing subscribers hand over fist and it's in debt up to its eyeballs and episodes of Stranger Things are costing stupid amounts of money, this just proves that they're out of touch and they haven't got a clue what people want. This is so dated it would have looked stupid in 2001. I thought it was one of the worst things I've ever seen and that everybody involved should be ashamed because at some point somebody should have stood up and go, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure this is the direction you want to go in? I thought it was disgraceful. I really did. 
Tell us what you think, though. Well, for really. a piece of modern television, and we have talked for years now about how television has finally become this thing that is seen almost as above film in some cases. People really love great television. And in a place where television is lauded, I think this was just an example of the worst kind of TV. And I don't know why it is on Netflix. I don't know why it exists. I think it's a so- disgrace. Can I answer a couple of your questions there, Luke? And then I don't I'll think I asked any. I think I made statements. But go along. Go along and answer. You said, who is this for? That was a question, yeah, who is, I'm sure. No, I honestly don't know who this is for. <laughs> I would argue, certainly like 14, 15-year-olds, when I was 14 and 15, I wanted to watch stuff that I didn't want my parents to find out I was watching. Yeah, but I agree I'm with you. But... Of, this is full of inappropriate jokes, full of swearing... Well, I, I mean, I know that possibly teenagers have matured somewhat in terms oh, of yeah. what they like or, yeah. or what have you, but certainly this is the sort of stuff that would have been appealing to us when we were teenagers, you know, in sort of the 90s, early 2000s. Those people have grown up and do have Netflix account. There will be that sort of morbid curiosity, I think, to at least first check out the first episode for a lot of people who not like us who have got this interest in TV, those people who've just got the Netflix subscription, see, oh, Mike Myers is doing a return to character comedy. They might not go past all of episode one, but they will be clicking on to see what it's like. I think that will happen. I think there'll be a lot of views of the first episode. I know Netflix has all these different metrics, but I think people people who remember Wayne's World and Austin Powers will be going to this to see what is it like even if they are completely put off by it but that that would be my theory behind the questions you are asking is that is the reason let's take the teenagers for example and just agree that you're right that teenagers want to watch this because it's a bit risque and it's something their parents wouldn't agree with i would say back to you and say do those teenagers, and remember how long ago things were, do those teenagers have a connection to somebody like Mike Myers, who's been out of the zeitgeist and out of the well, conversation since at least 2000? What I'm saying is, I think it's the people of our age. Like my brother, for example, I think will at least check this out for the first episode because we're nostalgic for something like Austin Powers. This has got a lot of this, the same humour, but I don't think it hits as much as that did at the time, because that felt a bit newer, a bit against what was going on. And now this feels like old hat. But I think at the same time, there is that sort of curiosity. I, I wouldn't say for teenagers now, we've discussed this before, teenagers now, a lot of them aren't watching anything, are watching like YouTube and stuff like that. You know, we've had this conversation with people before. I think this is going to be more of a nostalgic thing for people who grew up with this sort of comedy. I have to say, So I Married an Axe Murderer is one of my favourite films of all time. So I did love that Mike Myers shtick. But yeah, dated, tired, like they'd taken all the bits they didn't put in Austin Powers (laughs) and glued them all together and made a TV series. One of the, the worst things for it for me was Mike Myers plays eight characters in this and there is absolutely no need for it. When he's done multiple characters, like in Tour Mad Myers and Axe Murder, he plays the main character and he plays his father. And it is a characterization. It's a brilliant characterization that only he could do of his Scottish Canadian, you know, father. But this I just thought these are just people, especially the um 
Ken, the the mm. news guy, and the conspiracy guy, uh, Anthony, there was no need for Mike Myers to be playing either of those characters at all. They could have been played by anyone, any decent actor. So I just thought it was pointless yes. and and tired. <laughs> if if you look at the Austin Powers films, though, he gradually mm. plays more and more characters in each of yes. them. So yes. he was obviously setting himself a challenge, going, "What if I play everybody?" <laughs> Even though I'm defending the sort of the the reason for this existing, I agree <laughs> agree agree with absolutely everything you're saying. Tired. I thought the non Mike Myers performance were at least trying. I think is it Debbie Mazar? Is that how you yeah, say? Yeah, I thought she was really good. Yeah, she was the the assistant to the Patavera and like like this sort of working girl esque character from the night. You know this brassy New York type secretary, like my eyes are up here, that sort of thing. She, she reminded me of uh, Pamela Stevenson in uh, Superman 3, where <laughs> the, you know, she looks like a blonde bimbo, but you discover mm. she's actually a genius. So Come to the podcast was... for contemporary references like that. <laughs> <laughs> and when he was given the opportunity to, Keegan-Michael Key, I thought was, was very good, op- acting opposite all the Mike Myerses. Jennifer Saunders in episode two, Dawn. What what did you make of that? I don't understand at all. I just didn't. You know, she's a she's a man. She's a I don't know what she is. She's a from Dubrovnik. She does an autopsy on the 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 one member who died, and the, you know they find out it's murder. And I just yeah, didn't. And I think some of the running gags sort of peter out quite quickly. So you know the yeah. the whole Canada's out of focus in a episode one and then in episode two as well they start doing like these meta gags don't they so jeremy irons is intro in the second episode he's like don't press that skip intro there's that scene where they're playing pool and yep. both the characters are swearing lydia west comes up and goes are netflix okay with this and then we get a netflix executive they're playing the scene back and it's all without the swear words it's all very suggestive and very sexual so but it it just all feels like very tired but i think i like a lot of these things that uh, disney plus are getting the nostalgia thing going aren't they with all these new brands of um the mighty ducks and and all the family stuff i think netflix is thinking what if we get the slightly like risque things i wouldn't be surprised for example if at some point they reboot american pie for example this is what i'm thinking this is the market they're going for is maybe the people who were teenagers in the 90s are now growing up and, and might have their own teenagers to introduce them to the sort of comedy that they liked. In the case of this, if I was one of those teenagers, I would go, you're completely out of touch. Why are you, sh- why are you showing me this? But that, I think, is the, the business behind it, if you like, the thought behind it. That is what I would think. But this, yeah, this was absolutely... Lydia West, her direction seems to be look like hopeful be nice you know i don't know why she agreed to do this you know i think everyone else is probably quite pally with mike myers obviously like rob Lowe, for example we know he's been in quite a lot of films with mike in the past but yeah just completely odd it is very much an, an anachronism in this day and age that we've got a comedy like this and i i apologize that there wasn't anything else to watch or we wouldn't have watched it that's all i wanted that's all i wanted all week <laughs> when i was screaming your name that's why birds flew in because i was screaming your name so loud at the top of my voice and under my breath 
And that's all I wanted, just an apology like that, and I will keep that. You didn't that. get one for Clark. You didn't get one for Clark. No, I, but I, I'm just happy I got one. You don't give them that normally anyway, so... I apologise for the holiday. I'm sure I did, Dawn. Yeah. Yes, you did, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. We've put ourselves in a corner with this format. If we could mm. just come on and talk about the shows we love and the shows we're enjoying watching, you'd see mm. a different side of me. You'd think that I was this happy-go-lucky, sitting here stroking but... a puppy and, you know, all that sort of thing. But no, we have to... When you say this. the shows we like, you mean the shows you like? Well, I think they're the same. <laughs> <laughs> this is Luke's show to tell you what Luke likes. That's yeah. basically... Yeah. If only I why, we didn't call it, why we didn't call it Lookalikes, I don't yeah. know, but they... I don't know. You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com We're recording this as the BAFTAs are going on in their red carpet at the moment, and this obviously will go up after the BAFTAs, so this is just a little bit of fun where we look at what we think will win, what we hope will win, uh, we're going to start with the audience award voted for by the public, the Virgin Must See Moment. There's a couple of these that could win, but I think there's only one that will, and that is the Tell one. us what they are. Oh, yeah, I suppose. I'm just reading it. I thought everyone could see it. <laughs> so we've got a girl surprised by a teacher on an audience with. We've got Anton Deck doing a dig at Downing Street during the I'm a Celebrity intros. Colin's devastating AIDS diagnosis via It's a Sin. Something from RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, Red Light, Green Light on Squid Game, and, uh, of course, Rose and Giovanni's Silent Dance to Symf- Symphony via Strictly Come Dancing. That is what the public will remember as, as a non What would you viewer. want to win, though, Luke? Because I know you're not a Strictly Watcher. Would that still be, I want I want that to win as well? Yeah, because it's a, it's a special, unique moment of television over the last 12 months, and I would want that to be recognised properly. And they deserve it, because... It was properly unique. They used this dance to put you in her shoes and explore what her life and her world sounds and feels like through one piece of dance that everybody was able to relate to. So I think it's an incredibly important piece of television, whether you're a Strictly viewer or not. I agree. Agree, all round, yeah, yeah. yeah. Single documentary, 9-11 Inside the President's War. Somebody who wrote this on the website... Warm room. I, I, I went Which back I, and corrected some of this I didn't know today. That, that Bush had a sauna. I didn't know that. But it's 9-11 inside the president's Yeah, did you not room. see him in the staircase? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's inside the president's war room. And, it, you know, we've all seen stories of 9-11 told subsequently. We all remember it very well. But this one felt properly special to mark the 20th anniversary of those awful attacks that it spoke to people within the White House at the time, Condoleezza Rice, Colin Powell, George Bush, and it gave their step-by-step reactions. It spoke about what they were doing on Air Force One while this was all going on. It was really fascinating, so I would like that to be winning the award uh, for that because I thought it was really interesting and really well told. What about reality and constructive factual, though? The Doghouse, Gogglebox, Married at First Sight UK and RuPaul's Drag Race UK. Any thoughts there, Dawn, on those? Gogglebox will probably win it. It captures the UK public better than any other programme, I think, probably. Uh, But possibly uh, Drag Race, because this was the second season and it was really uh, special, I think. And and it's when the public generally caught on to it. 
I think Drag Race will win. I think the only yeah. one here that I watch is is Gogglebox. Um, but I think that does win quite a lot. And I think you mm. know one of the things you can see from these nominees is that BAFTA's trying to celebrate diversity. So Luke, obviously, big married at first sight UK fan. Never seen it. Is that because you applied and they didn't let you on? Well, they saw me and they wouldn't let me on, which is weird. <laughs> Entertainment performance. So you got Big Zoo for Big Zoo's Eats. Alison Hammond for I Can See Your Voice. Joe Lysett for Joe Lysett's Got Your Back. Michael McIntyre for The Wheel. Graham Norton for his show. But I can honestly, I honestly hope and I can foresee it happening that this will go to uh, the late Sean Locke for 8 out of 10. Caps does countdown. It's, I don't think... When he was alive, he was nominated for a lot in this category, and it would be a great way of commemorating him and his time on screen, and I, it would be a lovely gesture, so I hope they go down that route. I think it's guaranteed that it's going to end, that Sean Locke's going to win it. Mm. It's a shame, as you say, that it, it rather took him dying to be mm. appreciated in that sense, but, yeah, I think Someone it will definitely go. I would agree with you. The only thing that's sort of ringing in my head is when we did this last year and we all thought Paul Ritter would win comedy male performance and he didn't. Oh. So the only person I could possibly see winning this is, is Big Zoo because I know a lot yeah, of people quite, yeah. quite like that. And, and again, that sort of that diversity drive. It's a different cut type of show to everything else that's on this list. As you say, if there is any justice and to sort of celebrate his whole career and him being such a unique presence on TV, then Sean Locke, definitely. Big Zoo, again, nominated in Features, Big Zoo's Big Eats, alongside The Great British Zone B, Mortimer and Whitehouse Gone Fishing, and Sort Your Life Out. Is that the one with Stacey Solomon? That's the one with Stacey Solomon and a load of empty containers. (laughs) Gone Fishing, I adore but it was probably going to go to Big Zoo, I'd imagine. But yeah, Gone Fishing, I think it's the Have they ever won it? Have they ever won it, though? I hope they just keep making it until they win. I don't think they've ever won, so this might be the year that they win it, because I don't think they've ever won it. I I agree. Gone Fishing, my husband absolutely adores it. It's like, Mm. you know, give them life, basically, as a middle-aged man. He's like, that's what I need. And I just think it's beautifully made as well, you know, because it, it balances everything. But I, I agree, if they're going for up-and-coming and diversity, then Big Zoo's Big Eats, which I do watch. But I, 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 I love Big Zoo, but I don't understand his two friends. I don't understand that aspect mm, of it. Yeah. It's one of those, I'll watch if there's nothing on sort of thing. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's easy sort of background TV, isn't it, I think? Yes, yes, definitely. And it depends on the guest as well, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a, a comic that you like or not. Um, Pretty much like this podcast, really, I find. (laughs) Yeah, we won't get a lot with Luke on this week, unfortunately. depends on the guests and how much they pull their weight. (laughs) So next up, we've got Entertainment Programme. It's an audience with Adele, Anton Deck Saturday Night Takeaway, Life and Rhymes, which I believe won it last year, and then Strictly Come Dancing. I want to say Strictly Come Dancing because they had such a stellar year. And, you know, because the, the final was... Uh, John Waite and, uh, you know, a, a, an all-male partnership and uh, Rose and Giovanni. So there was disability and uh, sexuality represented. That could do it. But there may be an audience with Adele. They, uh, they might see that because it was such a one-off thing. And This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, 
it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I would say Strictly come dancing for me. Last year was the year that Strictly really got people talking, I think, because of all the things that you mentioned, Dawn. And um, it was really a show that sort of, I think, captured the imagination. And, and the series before, which was on during the pandemic, sort of had that escapism feel. And then this year, as you say, first same-sex se- same male partnership and a disabled contestant winning it, I think that is going to be the front runner. The comedy nominees we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Dawn. Um, yeah. But if we just go, like, sort of who we think and who will win, and Luke, you can give your opinions as well, because obviously people really want to hear them. Male performance in a comedy is Steve Coogan, uh, as uh, this time with Alan Partridge, Jamie Dimitru, Stathlet's Flats. Could you give me a hand with this name again, Dawn? Shitty Gatwa. From Sex Education, we'll talk about him in a minute. Joe Gilgan for Brassic, Samson Caillou for Bloods, and Tim Renkow for Jerk. The guy from Sex Education has been announced as Doctor Who this afternoon as well. And Dawn, you're a big fan of his work, I think, aren't you? Ah, yes. Yeah, I love him. I think he's got buckets of charm and he has a lot of, of, of depth in these stories in, in Sex Education. Lot, lots of range. Uh, I think he's going to be fantastic. He does look very young, but he is 29, so he's, I think he's oh, wow. older than Matt Smith. Yeah, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, how he projects, what what his characterisation of, of the Doctor is going to be like. Is he your favourite to win? Would you like him to win this? Or... I actually don't think uh, this series of Sex Education had a lot of um, comedy for him to do. I think it, it was quite a, a dark series for him. I mean, it, it was a, a, there, was, there was an episode where he could go back to Nigeria and explores his, his roots and things. So it's much more serious. So I would actually say Samson Kyle for Bloods. I love him in Bloods. And he is in our uh, Flag Means Death. So he's he's on the rise. <laughs> so I think... <laughs> Either I agree with Dawn, Samson Kayu. Now, I believe Tim Rankow and Jerk, is he um, a disabled yes, actor? Yes, he is. Isn't he? Yeah. Um, so possibly. But that's not a show that anyone seems to have talked about at all. No. In comparison, the actress category in the comedy is really hard to call. Ashling B this way up, Natasia Dimitru in Stathlet's Flats, Rose Matafeo, Starstruck, and Jana Vassan, I think that's how you say that actress's name, We Are Lady Parts, Sophie Willen in Alma's Not Normal, and Amy Lou Wood for Sex Education, who I believe won it last year. Luke, I know you wrote about this, but who do you think will win and who do you want to win quickly? Very quickly, I think uh, Sophie Willen will win, and I would love Rose Matafeo to win. So we're looking at the first or the second of Starstruck when we talk about these nominations. First. 
first. Mm, and that's a real toss-up, isn't it? It could be either one of those. I really think it could be either one of those. If I had my way, uh, Rose Matafeo would win. But I think Sophie Willen, as again a newcomer, with her own biographical story, I think she'll probably... Uh... Yeah, exactly the same. I would love Rose Matafeo to win because I think she plays ordinary very well. You know, not that's, heightened. That's the key, over yeah. The top. Yeah. Uh, but I think it'll probably go to Sophie Willen. I mean, I will stick up for Alma's Not Normal. Uh, it was one of my favorite. I love Starstruck as well. But I think her performance in that it is it very much from the heart. It is very sort of semi-autobiographical. And it's sort of that story as well that she's got that I think will endear her. But yeah, I'm, I I would like either Rose Matafeo or Sophie Willen. And I agree with both of you that it will be Sophie Willen. And in the scripted comedy itself, uh, Alma's Not Normal, Motherland, Stathlet's Flats and We Are Lady Parts. I would like We Are Lady Parts to win. And I think it's possible because it, they won the right, one of the... Other yeah, Nida Manzor, yeah. the writer, won the writer, at the yeah. Best Comedy Writer at the, uh, well, at the I, Craft Awards. So I think it's possible, but I think, that, again, it might go to Alma's Not Normal, for all the reasons you said. In the next category, you've got Matthew McFadden, who has not been nominated before for Succession, and actually Jesse Armstrong, I believe, as well, was nominated for writing at the Craft Awards. So it seems odd. I'm not a massive fan of it because it almost feels like it's pushing out other talent for shows on these shores in well, a way. Not, I don't know it's how it's not feel. so much that. It's more like saying these are our shows and they're not our shows. Succession is not a British show. Mayor of Easttown is not a British show. So I, d- I don't quite know why it's allowed. You could argue that Succession is written by a British writer, like you say, but it, it would nobody bought it. In the UK, is an HBO show that Sky Atlantic have the the deal with, so they were always going to show it. So yeah, it just feels like feels a, like, feel like they're going. We want this person on the picture. red carpet. Yes, but if we talk about supporting actor, is you've got Stephen Graham, Omari Douglas for it's a sin, David Carlyle for it's a sin, Callum Scott House for it's a sin, and then as you said, Matthew McFadden. When I think of it's a sin, I basically picture. Uh, Callum's face so I think it's got to go to Callum Scott Howells not only his portrayal but his story was the one that I regularly think about this guy with this wide-eyed optimism who'd left Wales to go to London and pursue his dream as a tailor you know just saw the world through rose-tinted glasses was so happy all the time and again it's a new talent that I hadn't been in contact with before I think he did that so beautifully and I'd love him to be recognised. If it had to go to somebody else, I'm not going to begrudge either Stephen Graham or Matthew McFadden winning. I think exactly the same. I think Callum Scott Howells is, is going to run away with it. Stephen Graham is going to have his chance in lead actor. And mm-hmm. as you said, Matthew um, McFadden, he did have a standout year in succession, but that's what the aim was in the Golden Globes mm-hmm. are for. I think Stephen Graham is going to win something uh, this year, but I think time, I, I know we've discussed this and he was, we preferred the, the main story more than his, even though it was a, it was an interesting performance. I agree with you that Callum Scott Howells has to be the front runner here. If we come to, to lead actress, we've got Lydia West again, second time on the podcast no. today. 
<laughs> we have got um, two actresses from uh, Too Close, which, if you remember, Luke, was that ITV drama that you I loved. Remember. Denise no. Goff and, uh, and Emily Watson. <laughs> Kate Winslet, as we've already mentioned, from Mayor of East Town. Um, and rounding out, we've got uh, two Channel 4 dramas. We've got Neve Algar in Deceit and Jodie Comer in Help. Jodie Comer all the way for Help. I think it, it was an amazing lead. But um, Lydia West is a close second. But I think I think she was more of a support. Although she was the lead actress, I feel because her role was supporting, if you know what I mean. She was mm. supporting the lead stories it's more likely to go to Jodie Comer. Yeah, and Jodie Comer, although Stephen Graham was equally important in Help, mm. I do, again... It was her brain, story, wasn't yeah, it? Your yeah, brain she was goes, on screen throughout. Your brain, when you think of the show, or at least mine, goes to that phone call she has where she's the only person on staff, she's trying to help her residents, she's trying to get through to emergency services, she's at a loss, she doesn't know what she's able to do, and she was able to communicate that sense of fear and panic and desperation brilliantly and uh, she deserves that because it was a it was the most i think natural performance Jodie Comer has ever given and it just proved yet again she's capable of just about anything um where's uh, Gabrielle Creevy in this oh yes where is she because i mean she... we had to obviously nominate both actresses from too close in this but you know <laughs> yeah that seems a massive misstep i don't know why you would put in my skin, in the biggest, arguably the biggest and perhaps most important after category, but you wouldn't mm. nominate Gabrielle Creevy in this. Category. I could possibly see Since why that. Denise Goff is there. She was like the sort of the showier performance, wasn't she? But mm. Emily Watson, and she's been there several times before. That I I don't understand no, what I think, why she's there. I think there. some people just become a name, don't they? And they just mm. get associated with award categories and things and but Gabrielle Creevy delivered one of the performances of the year if not the performance of last year in that show and she should be in that category again you both are right Jodie Comer do you think Kate Winslet's got a chance in here or is it just we want to nominate her so she turns up you can nominate her but I don't know whether she'll turn up anyway regardless of whether you're nominated it's not easy to fly across America at the moment you know I loved Mayor of Easttown. I mm. adored it. It was my show of the year last year, I think, just beating out in my skin because it was just such a surprise. But something about her being in that list when Gabrielle Creevy isn't just feels wrong when the next category is international and Mayor is her show. So they acknowledge that that show is international. And but, Succession as well. Yeah, it's bizarre. Let's just quickly touch on, on leading actor because this is quite a, a packed category. Samuel Adewunmi, I want to say, the actor's name there, You Don't Know Me. Ollie Alexander for It's a Sin, Sean Bean for Time, Stephen Graham for Help, Hugh Corshi for Stephen, and David Hewless for Landscapers. Um, Luke, to you first. I, I would love friend. this to go to Sean Bean for Time. It was his, In my eyes, it was his show. I thought he just handled that character with a lot of humanity and grace and it was very understatedly handled. I thought it was brilliant. I think it's more than likely going to go to Ollie Alexander for It's a Sin because that show probably rightly should dominate. I, I think it's going to go to Stephen Graham for help, but possibly, yes, yeah, as, as a second the Ollie Alexander, just because it's got so many nominations, it has to win some of them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's most likely. I think Stephen Graham's got to win one of these two awards. He's never yeah. won 
a BAFTA before. I mean, he lost out on the virtues, and I thought that was his best performance. I think this is a very different performance for Stephen Graham as well here. You know, it, it was someone with early onset um, dementia. He plays it really sort of reserved and, you know, it's not the stereotypical Stephen Graham. So I think he has to be the front runner. I think it's a sim will win elsewhere. Ollie Alexander might win. I agree with you about Sean Bean as well, Luke, but he did win for Broken. So I think, you know, he's he's won that. Going on, as you mentioned, to international, we have got Mayor of Easttown and Succession, along with uh, two French shows called My Agent and Lupin and a squid game and the underground railroad i i really can't call this one i really don't know what they're looking for if you know what i mean because it's such a varied um category i think maybe mayor of east town possibly because of the kate winslet connection uh i don't think they're going to give it to succession because it's sweeping the awards in america so it doesn't need it if you know what i mean maybe call my agent because it's now become British. I don't know. I really don't know. But I would say Mayor of East Town's my most likely. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And possibly Squid Game because it was so successful last year. I think maybe that will be... They'll want to give it to, to something not in the English language because that's BAFTA for you. Um, and of the three there, I think Squid Game because it was so successful. But... My pick would probably be either Succession or Mayor of Easttown. Uh, mini-series, we've got It's a Sin, Landscape of Stephen and Time, Dawn. It's a Sin. As in guaranteed, I think. I don't think anything can compete. Mm. And Luke, that, same. And that, but in an English accent. <laughs> same for me as well, I think. Um, in a northern accent. <laughs> yes. And, and final one, we've got Drama Series, and I think we know where we're going for this, In My Skin. Manhunt, colon, the Night Stalker, Vigil, and Unforgotten. If In My Skin doesn't win, there's a Ooh, problem. that rhymed. Several times. That's what I've written that down so I could say that. Uh, if In My Skin doesn't win, there's going to be a problem because Unforgotten was wonderful with Nicola Walker's final series. Vigil was an abomination, I think. And Manhunt just didn't... Do you think you overused that word, abomination? I don't, I've only said it three times this hour. I don't, <laughs> I don't think so, Matt. Give me a bit of credit. But yeah, so it's got to be in my skin. That show encapsulates everything I love, specifically about British television. It is a, a personal story from the writer Katie Llewellyn, told with humour and humanity, with just a wonderful, relatable central performance from the brilliant Gabrielle Creevy. It is one of the warmest and sweetest shows on television. It has its heart right in the right place. If this doesn't happen, I'll be really disappointed for all of them. Unless Unforgotten wins because they want to acknowledge that it was Nicola Walker's last series. But In My Skin was just joyous from beginning to end. Even in its more painful moments, I just admired everything about it. Perhaps if it wins more people will seek it out. That's what I want for, for that. Just said everything I was going to say there, Luke, so thanks for that. Um, the only thing I suppose I will mention is that um, Kaylee Llewellyn did win the uh, the Craft Award yeah. uh, for, for Best Drama Writer. In agreement, the only thing I could possibly think of is Unforgotten, a sort of a series award. It's not won before and Nicola Walker is not going to be in it anymore, so in its original incarnation this is the last time we can give it an award 
the other two just seem like they're making up the numbers. I think Vigil's yeah. there because a lot of people watched it. Manhunt the Night Stalker feels like a, a bit that of an outlier. Be it should be a miniseries. There was only no. three episodes of it. No, 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 no. Oh, miniseries, for some okay. reason, is limited series. Like, they're okay. only the series that won't come back. Because I think okay. last year, Manhunt was in miniseries because they didn't think they'd do a second yeah. one. By the time you listen to this, you'll know how Basically, wrong we by were. By the time we listen to this, this whole segment we spent 45 minutes on will be completely null and void and irrelevant. <laughs> but at least you know what we think. <laughs> Dawn, what's next for you on the pod? Not this one. You've done your job here. What's next for your own one? Uh, we were, uh, we're having a little break at the moment, uh, but we will be back with our A to Z. We'll be doing F. Well, I can't remember what we decided on, but we didn't decide on something. It's not, it's not uh, friends then, because that's where my brain went no, immediately. No, definitely, yeah. no, no, definitely not friends. I can't remember. Yeah. I, if I can't remember, it's not awful. That's, um, I can't think. Do you know what my brain, I can't think of a single show beginning with F now. Not the one. The only one I've got apart from friends is Frasier. Oh, Frasier, that's correct. <laughs> uh, that's <the> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, Do I win a prize? Frasier. Or at least take notes on what they decide to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Frasier, Niles and Daphne and Frasier, oh, Moondance so episodes for, the, for these so tangos. I've got this written down somewhere, but because you know what people are doing on their other podcasts, maybe <laughs> you'll know what you're doing on your one next week, Matt. Next week, we are talking about conversations with friends. We are talking about the Essex Serpent and some other things that we'll we'll discuss afterwards, Luke. That means I'm staying on the call longer than I anticipated. That was what that was code for. All right, then. Uh, that'll be us, then. Thank you so much, Dawn, for uh, joining us again. And you got your apology off, Matt, which you swore you needed at the start of the podcast. So will you be back again <laughs> I, or will I discard you? Well, no, if you'll have me back after my use of the word vagina, um, it's up to you. It's good. We usually, <laughs> we usually say when somebody says that, it's usually like a three and a half week gap. That's usually all right. <laughs> all right, then. that's fine. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> We've got to have limits on. You know, unless you want to say it on the next one and then it becomes six weeks. It's just awkward for all of us. <laughs> then we got to work out when it was last said and, you know, this whole spreadsheet. There's a lot of paperwork. Involved. Yeah. <laughs> We've, I've got to file this whole thing with HR. HR after this anyway, so it's going to be quite tricky. <laughs> to be fair to you, you didn't say it out of context. It, it was something that happened that we watched. It wasn't like you just used that phrase, uh, dare I say, willy-nilly. <laughs> This ends the podcast, please. Yeah, end we'll do it that. Now. Uh, find us on all your podcast apps. Visit the site, thecustardtv.com, and we'll, we'll. <laughs> I can't end it. Bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal.